This is the Engineering Career Coach Podcast, the only podcast dedicated to helping engineers succeed in work and life. The show is hosted by engineering enthusiast Anthony Fasano and Chris Knutson. Both are professional engineers who found success early in their careers and now work together to help other engineers do the same. Now it's showtime. Hello, this is Anthony Fasano, and this is the show for engineers who want to succeed in both work and life. And I have a pretty awesome episode for you today. It's a really great topic. It's actually kind of a two-part series, I guess, which kind of happened maybe coincidentally, but it's going to work out well. In this episode, you're going to hear me talk with Joe Lampinen, who works for a global engineering services company that provides both recruiting and staff workforce solutions, which is really interesting because Joe talks a lot in this interview about the trends in the industry, what employers are looking for in the engineering industry, so you can kind of understand what's out there and why and and what the needs are. So I'm interested to dive into this. And then next week's episode, I'm going to be interviewing Amanda King, and she's going to look at it kind of a little bit more from the internal side, from the HR side, as far as if you're approaching a company, what you should take. She's going to detail some steps on the whole process you can go through. And believe me, these episodes are not just if you're looking for a job. In fact, in next week's episode, we're going to get into value, how you can always add value in your career. So we've got a couple of cool episodes here. And before I jump into this main segment interview with Joe, I want to take a minute to talk briefly about our Engineering Career Summit. This is an event that Christian and I are going to be putting on down in New Orleans in May. We're super excited about it. And the goal of this event is to help engineers set themselves up to be super successful in their careers and to be able to help themselves and their companies succeed. We've got an amazing lineup of speakers that we're putting together right now, led off by our keynote speaker, who's going to be Will Schneer, who founded the company Big Red Dog Engineering. We've had Will on the podcast several times. He's built a multi-million dollar company in a matter of five or six years after being laid off and unemployed. Inspirational story. You're going to get to meet him, talk to him, going to get to hang out with Chris and I in New Orleans. It's going to be a lot of fun. We just reopened registration. We had an early access period, but now we still have early pricing tickets available. Go to engineeringcareersummit.com for all the information, and I hope that you'll consider joining us. And if you have any questions about the event, feel free to email me at anthony at engineeringcareercoach.com. All right, now I want to give you a quote related to the episode today from Earl Nightingale that will take us into the main segment. The biggest mistake that you can make is to believe that you are working for somebody else. Job security is gone. The driving force of a career must come from the individual. Remember, jobs are owned by the company. You own your career. All right, now it's time for the main segment of our show today, and I'm really thrilled to have Joe Lampin in here. He's the director of the Engineering Center of Excellence for Kelly Services, a world leader in providing workforce solutions headquartered in Troy, Michigan. Joe is an engineering workforce strategist and solutionist responsible for leading the strategic development and growth of engineering staffing, search and project services in Midwestern and Eastern North America with special interest in manufacturing engineering, plant facilities engineering, quality engineering, and sustainability. He consults with industrial clients to solve challenges in attraction, engagement, and retention of their engineering workforce. Now, this is obviously an important topic for you as an engineer understanding the industry and the hiring trends. And that's what we're going to dive into with Joe. Joe joined Kelly Services in 1998 as a technical branch manager in the Chicago market 
and subsequently served as Midwest Regional Engineering Manager. Prior to joining Kelly, he was an operations director with Laidlaw Corporation in the Midwest. Now, here's another thing I want to stress a little bit about, Joe. We talk a lot about certifications and accreditations here on the Engineering Career Coach Podcast because it's really critical in this industry. Joe holds a Master of Science degree in Technology from Purdue University, a graduate certificate in Engineering Law from the University of Illinois at Chicago, as well as a bachelor's degree from Western Illinois University. He is credentialed as a certified manufacturing engineer, project management professional, senior professional in human resources, and is a leadership in energy and environmental design accredited professional. In addition, he's an active member of several technical and professional societies, including the Society of Manufacturing Engineers, Project Management Institute, American Society for Quality, Association for Facilities Engineering, and the International Society of Sustainability Professionals. Joe, welcome to the Engineering Career Coach Podcast. Thanks. Glad to be here. So, Joe, tell us about the Engineering Center of Excellence and the insight you've been able to develop about the engineering industry from your work there. Yeah, thanks. Uh, well, our, our Engineering Center of Excellence is an organization that Kelly put together several years ago, around 2009, and our responsibility is to gather, sift through, analyze, and synthesize engineering intelligence about the engineering workforce market, the needs of engineering employers, trends in the engineering profession, and what the implications are based on those trends for workforce solutions and for the needs of industry. So we obtain a lot of voice of customer input. We develop relationships with industry contacts. We're continually sifting through information available from a wide variety of sources, organizations, engineering schools, industry leaders, and uh, as well as face-to-face meetings with critical engineering clients to conduct technical needs assessments, both about their current projects as well as what's going on in the future and where engineering recruiting organizations will need to be in order to meet the forecast needs of those engineering organizations. Wow. That sounds pretty awesome. So basically, the center helps you to keep a really good beat on what the trends are in the industry. And I'm wondering, Joe, if you could share with us some trends in hiring that you see right now, whether it's in the field you're specifically in or just in general. Sure. Well, uh, there are a few trends. I mean, you hear the uh, phrase, the Hollywood model of uh, projects and research and development, you know, referring to organizations that will have a, an engineering staff in their R&D organization, and they'll augment it, bring in specialists just for the life of a project, just for a particular purpose, maybe a, an individual role within a project, and assemble project teams from internal staff as well as consultants and uh, engineering specialty organizations, uh, contractors, you name it, and put together teams that can execute these projects. And it's something that, uh, you know, the Hollywood model is based on or the phrase Hollywood model is based on the way that movie studios produce movies nowadays, as opposed to, you know, decades ago when uh, movie stars were all under contract to a movie studio and basically were the studio's direct employees. So at Kelly, we refer to the entire concept as talent supply chain management. In other words, looking at all of the options that an engineering organization has to obtain that technical talent and the skill needed to complete an engineering project, whether it's a research and development project or a new product development mission or something like that. So that's something that is becoming very commonplace and uh, not 
really sure how commonplace the Hollywood model phrase is, but it's something that you do here in the trade and in conferences, and it's, it's becoming very commonplace. Open innovation, you know, there's a range of uh, what people consider to be open innovation, but basically the idea of bringing in minds from outside the organization who can contribute, who can uh, share technical insight or a vision of how a problem might be solved with resources beyond, you know, what's present in that organization. You know, coming out of the Great Recession several years ago, the uh, idea was that manufacturers and other uh, companies and industry were really leading their recovery by using contractors and contingent workers and things. And we did see a lot of that. But really, I can tell you in the past year, we've seen so much direct hiring by our clients as well as, you know, just what we gather in the industry. It's really something that if you're an engineer and you're looking for a full-time, a direct a sort of a role with a, an OEM or a manufacturer of any sort, it's something that has to give you some confidence that that demand is there and it's going to be there going into the future. Companies, we think, wouldn't be hiring direct if they were cautious about the idea of, you know, are we going to have demand for engine? Are we going to have need for engineering internally year or two into the future? That's really interesting. And it's really interesting to talk about the Hollywood model because we had a gentleman on the show a few episodes ago named Taylor Pearson who wrote a book entitled The End of Jobs, basically making kind of with the theory that this nine to five job or like these stable long term jobs may or may not exist going forward. Well, he thinks probably not just because of there's a lot of freelancing going on today. There's a lot of mobility with the Internet. And it kind of lends a little bit to this Hollywood model is that, you know, you find an engineer that's going to fit the project, fit the job, fit the necessarily timeline and execute on that. So I think it's just an important point for those of you out there listening that that's potentially an option for you in your career where you don't necessarily have to think like, I have to find the next 10, 15, 20 year job for myself. You may just find another, the next great project to work on, which in essence could really bolster your resume, whether you end up staying with that company or not. Well, it's a fact, you know, recent graduates, uh, recent graduate engineers are surveyed and they expect to change jobs 10 times in the course of their career. And we know already that in the U.S., workers are changing jobs about every three and a half years on average. So it lends itself to the idea that the idea of what you'd call a permanent job a couple of generations ago, that idea really is something that's going away. I mean, it's, it's something that it's not as though a long-term job may not be there, but these contract positions and engagements for the life of a, a project, which, you know, it might be a several year project, you know, big projects. But the idea that 20 years from now, I'm going to be at the same organization or in the same department or anything like that. I mean, it's, it's something that really is evaporating. Joe, what, what do you hear most commonly if you, from a client saying something like, I'm looking for an engineer or engineers that have XYZ skills or certifications? Is there a, terms or terms that keep coming up these days that engineers should be aware of? Oh, yeah. Well, it, it varies, of course, by industry and by particular function. For example, if you're uh, looking for a quality engineering role, it's almost essential that you have a CQE certification. I mean, it's uncommon to see a job specification for a quality engineer that doesn't at least have preference for CQE certification. Uh, likewise, in project management, whether or not a particular organization uses PMI methodology, the PMP credential is something that 
is very well regarded and generally speaking held in a, in a high regard by employers. The different uh, 3D and CAD uh, software platforms, of course, it depends on what a, what a particular manufacturer or particular design house is using, but if you have a SOLIDWORKS certification or NX certification or something like that, it adds a little bit of polish and a little bit of credence to your background and your, your whole portfolio of what you offer an employer. Now, if you have that credential and you know, you don't have body of work or you're entering the field, it's something that can help you land that first position or that first project, you know. That's a good help. And I know the PMP is one that we hear a lot that people get and it becomes very helpful for them is on their resume. And so I guess along the same lines, maybe to reverse it a bit, if I'm an engineer who's, you know, five years experience and I want to start really pushing myself a little bit out of the technical role, more into the project management or engineering management role, what are some things that they need to do to be able to make that transition as far as their own skill sets? Or, you know, what do you recommend from talking with a lot of these hiring, uh, these companies? Well, that's a great question. I mean, you know, if you're looking to move on to either a project management or an operational management or a technical management sort of a role, a team leader sort of a role, you can begin exhibiting leadership traits and leadership in any position in the company. You know, you're talking about setting examples for other employees, uh, showing initiative, showing interest in advancing, letting your direct supervisor or the authority responsible human resources or whoever that you have an interest in taking on additional projects, basically showing initiative. No one wants a leader or a manager uh, who wouldn't be a good example or, you know, isn't someone who's self-starter and able to be self-motivated and show leadership potential even before advancing to that leadership position. Basically, if you wait until you have a leadership job to show leadership ability, you're probably not going to get a leadership job. <laughs> That's right. Good one. And now, in addition to that, you know, the presumption is you're going to be very technically competent and you're excellent at the work that you do, whether you're in design or your product testing or you're out on the shop floor. No matter what it is, you have to be very strong technically and proficient at, at your particular area of expertise. But to be a leader, you have to, in order to be eligible to be promoted to leader, you have to demonstrate that you have those leadership qualities. So then kind of from the flip side, Joe, what are employers not looking for? So in other words, what are some maybe detractors that engineers need to guard against to ensure that their value and their marketability is high? There are some really predictable qualities, I guess, if you'd call it that, that could stunt your career no matter what field you're in. One is nobody really looks for prima donna. If you're um, well down your career path and you're an expert in a particular area of technology and you're brought in as an individual contributor to basically be a technical leader and say, I'm going to show you how this should be done, well, maybe you can afford to be a prima donna. Although, frankly, nobody wants a prima donna even in that case, although they might accept it if that's what they have to do in order to get your talent. But as a five-year engineer or as a, as a new graduate engineer, you can't be a prima donna. You have to be a team player. Let's face it, engineering really is about teamwork, project teams, collaboration, working together, both with internal staff as well as with suppliers, clients. You have to be able to be client-facing, customer-facing. And so the prima donna 
you know, if you are coming out of school with an engineering degree and you really are very strong technically and you were a great student and you've done, you've done well in school, that's great. But you more or less have to put on the hat of saying, okay, I know that material, I have that kind of skill and talent, but now I also need to show that I have the skill of working as a good employee and a good team member. And that sort of thing. So that's one thing. Uh, secondly, employers don't look for people who aren't willing to learn. You know, nobody wants people set in stone. Really, engineers are lifelong learners. And technology evolves so rapidly and engineering practice evolves so rapidly throughout the course of someone's career that you can't afford to stand pat with what you know as you come out of school. And uh, employers, both within the technical organization as well as within operations and companies, they expect an engineer to keep up with current technologies to be really a knowledgeable professional that evolves through their career and be willing to take on new challenges, maybe new roles, new responsibilities and things. So that flexibility and that willingness to take that sort of challenge on is something that employers look for. Or I should say the the lack of willingness to do it is something that employers really don't look for. Uh, And the other thing is Poor communication. You know, you, you hear sort of stereotypically that engineers are poor communicators. Well, you know, I really think it's a stereotype. You can't paint with that kind of broad brush. But if you are an engineer early in your career, don't neglect the need to be able to communicate at every level of the organization and with language that's appropriate for your audience. Communicate internally, communicate with suppliers, communicate with clients, and so forth. So I think those three things are probably some of the biggest detractors that an employer would see these days. You have a lot of experience in turnover, employee engagement. I want to go down that road a little bit here as we as we get towards the end of this segment because I think that this is something that a lot of people don't necessarily think about. So so let me give you a scenario here. Let's say I'm in a company C-suite, I'm an executive, and I'm interested in kind of reducing the turnover in my staff, and I want to maintain these high-quality engineers. What are some things that my company needs to be doing? Well, a couple of things. One, I think if you're in the C-suite, you need to develop an understanding of what it is that attracts engineers to your organization, that employer value proposition, that whole package of Attractants, yes, pay and benefits, always that's a standby, but there's so much more than that. You know, your workplace environment, your leadership, just the tools and technologies that are available to your engineers. So that's one thing, that employee value proposition. Have you got it crafted and really do you understand your engineers well enough to put your employer value proposition together? That's an essential thing. Secondly, I think if you're in the C-suite, you need to understand there is going to be a certain level of turnover just because the nature of the workforce has changed and and uh, basically workers are more mobile and they're expecting to manage their own careers and move on and so you have to set a realistic level of expectation as far as what's an acceptable or a desired level of turnover and frankly probably no organization would want to keep every employee from now on i mean that, that's something that you just don't see and it's just not the way modern business or modern employee management is practiced so then it, it turns to uh, really that first level of supervision, and that is so key in any organization, including in engineering. You know, are your engineering employees getting feedback? Is, do they have the feeling that someone cares about their work? Are they told the importance of their work? Do they see how their work fits into the big picture of the organization and that they can have a future with your organization? You know, can they see a career path? 
if they want to stay in the technical leg of the organization, is there a career path for them? How does someone at five years as an engineer, let's say in the in mechanical design department, where could they be in 10 years or in five years? You know, that is something that is essential for any organization, I think, that wants to retain key talent. You know, have a career path that makes sense and that seems realistic. You know, engineers are shrewd. They're shrewd about solving technical problems. They're also shrewd about their own careers. And they can decipher when they're hearing something that makes sense and when they're seeing something that doesn't make sense. And so that's something that is also important, I think. Speaking as an engineer myself, I remember when I was practicing at a consulting firm, my question to myself was always, what is my upside here? You know, how far can I go? What, what, what opportunities are there here for advancement? So I think that that path, making that path clear to your staff is a really great way to reduce turnover because if people are unsure about their future, unsure about the opportunities or for any reason think they don't have a lot of opportunity for growth, then they're going to they're, they're gonna be much more likely to look for other opportunities. One thing that we see a lot, and, and, you know, just as an example, you know, someone might come out as a graduate engineer, go into, say, mechanical product testing, then maybe they move into mechanical design, then maybe they go out in the shop floor as a manufacturing engineer or a process engineer, then maybe they move into quality engineering. I mean, there are all sorts of avenues within an organization, of a certain size anyway, and so organizations can put together realistic career paths, but they really have to give it some thought. All right, Joe. So, I mean, I've read some statistics and I don't have like exact references here, but somewhere in the ballpark of 70%, let's put it this way. A lot of people in the workforce are not happy with their jobs. They're not satisfied with their jobs. What do you see maybe as the biggest failure point or the biggest thing that engineering companies do, maybe the most recurring thing that you see that doesn't allow engineers to stay focused or engaged, that doesn't keep them really engaged with what they're doing? Is there anything that you can think of or that you've seen recently? Well, you know, change is so constant and change can be a big demotivator or a distractor. Now, engineers are innovators. Engineers are born innovators. And so they're used to change from a technological standpoint. But from an organizational standpoint, you know, the idea of who am I going to report to next month or what's going to happen to the organization in six months or are we up for sale or are we going to be acquired or things like that, that is a huge distractor for employees throughout the organization, including in the engineering department. Or if you're in an engineering organization that is, you know, primed to be acquired or merge or what have you. Right. And, uh, you know, obviously company leadership is somewhat uh, at uh, a disadvantage it, in a merger and acquisition situation, there are only so many things that can be shared. But in terms of giving feedback to engineers about the uh, life of their project, where we expect to be in six months or a year or next year, that feedback in terms of the future at the organization, the uh, expectations, how you contribute to the organization, what your contributions mean to the organization. The absence of that kind of feedback is really something that demotivates anyone, including engineers. You know, how do you fit into the big picture and how is the quality of your work perceived? You know, there are managers that really don't give you any feedback other than that once a year job evaluation, or if they do, it's sort of off the cuff in passing. And Do they ever really give you a pat on the back, appreciation for the work that you do? No matter what particular project you're working on, anyone, even a highly skilled professional like an engineer, wants to hear some feedback that their work is valued and their contributions mean something to the organization. 
Yeah, that's a, that's a wonderful point. I know someone firsthand, a good friend actually, who his company after he he worked at a company for a long time as an engineer, and the company was acquired. And they just weren't giving enough information for him to feel comfortable about staying on board. And he ended up leaving after being there for a very long time, being very close with the owners. He ended up starting his own firm. He's doing very well now. But really, the reason was because there just wasn't enough information for him to be comfortable and to be secure with his future with the company. And I think what Joe just said, obviously, there's limitations as to what a company can talk about if there's a situation going on like that. But you've got to do your best to keep people comfortable and understand what their future holds as best as possible. And I think that that's really important. You know, and from management's standpoint, the unfortunate fact is that many times the most highly skilled and the most marketable employees will be the ones that leave to either go into business for themselves or go to a competitor or just leave the business. And I mean, in other words, the ones that are most at risk for flight in that sort of circumstance could very well be the engineers that you most dearly want to keep with your organization. All right, I got one last question for Joe here, and then we'll transition into our Take Action Today segment where I'm going to ask him a little bit about some skills that you should be improving. All right, Joe, what, why would an engineering company's leadership care so much about employee engagement? What does that mean to a company? Well, engagement's sort of a hot word right now, a buzzword, but really what it boils down to is productivity. I mean, you could use a phrase like motivation or something like that, but engagement means basically putting your back into it and getting the employee's best effort and best energies devoted to the projects they've been asked to work on. And uh, many, many studies have been done that show in order to gain the best productivity out of employees, including engineers, they have to be engaged. It's vital. And I can't think of any organization, manufacturer or otherwise, that doesn't want to heighten the engagement of their employees. Yeah, that's a good point. And I hear from people, unfortunately, kind of too often these days where where they say stuff like an engineer might be like, I'm kind of bored with my job. I usually finish my work in about four or five hours and then I'm nothing to do the rest of the day. And if you're an engaged employee, that's like the last thing you're going to say, because if you finish your work in four hours, you're going to make calls for new business. You're going to go out there and do extra work on your verifying the quality of your work. You're going to come up with things to do if you're engaged. It's when you get disengaged like that is when you're like, I'm bored. I don't really like what I'm doing. I don't have, I'm not challenged. I mean, and, and in some respects, you may not be challenged, but that, that's part of the, the company's job to engage you and make sure that you're, you're getting challenged on, on a regular basis. There are so many surveys out there that show what attracts engineers. And and here again, you can't paint with too broad a brush, but engineers are excited by the opportunity to solve problems and be creative and handle the technical challenges that they're presented. And from an organizational standpoint, part of the job is getting the engineers excited about the work at hand. And as a recruiting organization, you know, showing where the challenges are and what needs to be solved, you know, maybe on a fairly broad basis. But the idea is getting talented engineers to realize that there really are some exciting challenges here. And there are things that I can do that can contribute, you know, to the company's success or to meeting customer needs or what have you. I mean, it's just engagement is just an essential. All right, now what we're going to do is we're going to hop into the Take Action Today segment, and I'm going to ask Joel to give us a few skills that he recommends that you focus on as an engineer.
Now it's time for our Take Action Today segment of the show, and this is the segment of the show where we kind of try to distill everything down into a couple of actionable pieces of advice because, let's be honest, you don't have a lot of time to do a lot. You're a busy engineering professional, and we want to make it easier for you to move forward. I still have Joe Lampin here with me from the Engineering Center of Excellence for Kelly Services, and I want to ask you this, Joe. You deal with a lot of engineers that are trying to get hired. You deal with a lot of companies that are looking for engineers. I'm an engineer right now, and I want to focus on a number of skill sets. Let's just pick a number. Let me say three. What are three skill sets that you would throw out there that I should improve upon? The first one that comes to mind is sustainability. And sustainability, in my way of thinking, is kind of a a representation of lean thinking. So uh, not so much being a tree hugger or clean tech necessarily, although that's certainly part of it, but thinking about Reduced consumption of resources, raw material, energy, water, reduced waste, light weighting of products and packaging. That's a critical skill set that manufacturers and all sorts of industries are looking for. You certainly see it in automotive and in aerospace and so forth. But everything you can imagine, every industry vertical you can imagine cares about sustainability. They might call it something else, but that's really what it boils down to. Hmm. Secondly... The industrial Internet of Things, if your particular organization isn't involved in it now and you're a manufacturer, you can be fairly confident that it's heading in that direction. Every organization in manufacturing is seems to be moving that way. And if you have the opportunity to gain skills and brush up on the industrial IoT and the, the uh, robotics and automation that fits your particular industry, Uh, You'll be doing yourself and your employer a big favor. And the third thing would be systems thinking and concurrent engineering and tying together design engineering and manufacturing engineering. This is something here again that you see manufacturers and all sorts of industry verticals taking advantage of and being able to tie together the product side and the production side is something that will benefit you in your career. It'll open doors for you that might be harder to open if you're not competent in that area. All right, Joel, just to take it one step further here as we end up this episode, you know, I'm a busy engineer, so you just gave me three things to work on, and I probably only have time to do one. So if I don't have a lot of time or energy at this point in my career, where should I put that time and energy, whether it's those three or something you want to summarize? Give us something as a closing thought. Well, all companies look for the opportunity to reduce cost, reduce consumption, be more efficient in their production. And that means, what, here again, whether you call it sustainability or lean or what have you, uh, you have to be competent. That's an expectation practically any employer has nowadays that you have the skills needed to do that. Whether it's in design engineering or it's in manufacturing engineering or it's in concurrent engineering, that sustainability cuts across practically all areas in manufacturing. I hope you enjoyed the episode today. We'd love to hear your feedback, comments, or any questions you might have. You can go to engineeringcareercoach.com forward slash trends, or you could just search for the episode on engineeringcareercoach.com in the search box. But if you put comments in on the post, I can ask Joe to check out the comments and respond to them. And Chris and I can certainly respond. We monitor all the comments and we'll definitely respond if you leave us one. You can also find me on Twitter where I share a lot more at Anthony J. Fasano or get Chris and I both at at ENG Career Coach. Joe, thanks so much for taking the time to share some of your thoughts with us today. There's a lot of great information that you gave us here in this episode, and I'm sure the listeners are really going to use it to their benefit. 
Yeah, my pleasure. Glad to do it. And thanks for the opportunity. All right. Until next time, please continue to engineer your own success. Thank you for listening to the Engineering Career Coach podcast. Be sure to visit engineeringcareercoach.com where you can find all past episodes and also download a free three-part video series created specifically for engineers to help you best utilize LinkedIn for networking, improve your communication and speaking skills, and also to help develop your leadership abilities. Now is the time to engineer your own success.